Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. It's time for Lombardi Memories, a show that takes you back in time, into January or February, to the greatest one-day spectacle in all of sports. This is the uh, podcast that's usually on Tuesdays, and it hasn't been on the last few Tuesdays, but it looks back at each and every one of the 50-plus Super Bowls and tells the story of who won and why. For the fan who needs more than just a box score, this podcast goes drive-by-drive, play-by-play, through the most dramatic games in history. I'm your host, Tommy A. Phillips, and you can visit my website at TommyAPhillips.com, where you can find all of my books. Those include Great 80s, a book that covers this Super Bowl and the next five of them as well. Today we have Super Bowl 19, which was held on January 20th, 1985, Inauguration Day, at Stanford Stadium in California between the AFC champion Miami Dolphins and the NFC champion San Francisco 49ers. If you're looking for the full story of this 1984 season, pick up my Great 80s book and you'll learn more than you ever wanted to know about that year and the rest of the 80s. As always, we have a pop quiz. And then homework at the end of the episode. The pop quiz question for today is, how many teams have played a Super Bowl in their own home state? The answer will come at the end of the podcast. Now, if you hear anything in the background, that's just my fans going. It's way too hot here in Pittsburgh to do the rest of this podcast without the fans. Okay, um, let's go with Super Bowl 19, which featured the most regular season wins by the two teams that were in it in Super Bowl history. The teams combined for a combined record of 29-3, and which became 33-3 and after the playoffs. The team with the worst record was the Miami Dolphins, who won only 14 out of their 16 games. The Dolphins started out the season 11-0 and looked on their way to joining their 1972 counterparts as an undefeated Super Bowl champion. But they lost two of three games to AFC West teams San Diego and Los Angeles, the Raiders, and they had to settle for just a 14-2 season. The Dolphins got revenge on 
the Seahawks for that playoff upset that happened a year before when the Seahawks knocked them out of the playoffs. The Dolphins beat the Seahawks this time 31-10. They then played a very surprising opponent in the AFC Championship game, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh was just 9-7, yet they knocked off the 13-3 Broncos to reach the conference championship. The Dolphins had little trouble dispatching the Steelers, though, beating them 45-28 to advance to their fifth Super Bowl, most in NFL history at the time. In 1984, Dolphins quarterback Dan Marino broke every record in sight. He threw for 5,084 yards, most in NFL history. He completed 362 of 564 passes, 80, 48 of them going for touchdowns, not 80, 48 going for touchdowns, and that was another NFL record. In fact, those records for yards and completions, uh, touchdown completions, those lasted all the way into the 2000s. They stood for years. His numbers were unheard of. And that required a lot of good numbers from his receivers. The Marx brothers, Mark Clayton and Mark Duper, who each went over 1,300 receiving yards. Clayton set the league record with 18 touchdown catches, while Duper had another eight. Running back Tony Nathan had over 500 rushing and receiving yards. Receiver Nat Moore caught six touchdown passes and tight end Bruce Hardy had another five. The Dolphins were absolutely loaded on offense, and they still had a lot of the talent from their Killer Bees defense from two years ago. As for the 49ers, they came very close to an unbeaten season. They won their first six games, then lost to the Steelers, but only because of a controversial pass interference call, which could have gone the other way. They finished the season with nine straight wins, ending up at 15-1 for the most wins in a regular season since the NFL expanded the regular season in 1978. In the playoffs, the 49ers struggled a bit with the New York Giants before coming away with a 21-10 victory. They then pounded the Chicago Bears 23-0 to reach their second Super Bowl. Quarterback Joe Montana was the star of this 49ers team, throwing for 3,630 yards and 28 touchdowns and just 10 interceptions. He completed 64.6% of his passes. He also ran for 118 yards and two touchdowns. He was dangerous scrambling out of the pocket. He was helped by running back Wendell Tyler, who rushed for 1,262 yards and 7 touchdowns, as well as Roger Craig, who rushed for 649 yards, caught 71 balls for 675 yards, and scored 10 touchdowns. Receiver Dwight Clark had the most receiving yards with 880, and Freddie Solomon was not far behind him with 737. Solomon also led the team in receiving touchdowns with 10. On defense, the 49ers had defensive end Dwayne Board, who came up with 10 sacks to lead the team. 
as well as a secondary which sent all four members to the Pro Bowl, Dwight Hicks, Ronnie Lott, Carlton Williamson, and Eric Wright. Super Bowl 19 happened to be held on Inauguration Day. Ronald Reagan had just won his second term in office, so he conducted the coin toss from the Oval Office. The Dolphins called heads, the president flipped tails, and the 49ers got the ball to start the game. On the opening kickoff, 49ers running back Derek Harmon flubbed the return by catching it on the sideline and immediately stepping out of bounds at his own six. That put Montana in a bad position to start the game. He managed to pick up a couple first downs of flip field position, though. He found Tyler for a first down to 24 off play action, and he found Clark for another first down at the 36. But the 49ers soon had the punt, and Fulton Walker returned the kick to Miami's 36. Marino completed his first pass of the game to Nathan, gaining 25 yards after breaking tackles to the San Francisco 40. Running back Woody Bennett ran for another first down to the 27. Marino completed a couple of short passes, but the Dolphins could not make it beyond the 20. Head coach Don Sula sent on kicker Uvon Saman. I can't pronounce that name, and <laughs> sounds bad whenever I pronounce it, but uh, Von Salmon had been having a terrible season, but not tonight. He made the 37-yard field goal just inside the right upright. Miami led 3-0. Montana struck back, throwing to Craig for six yards on the first play of the next drive. Tyler got a pair of first downs, and he got the ball to the 48. Soon afterward, facing third and long, Montana couldn't find anyone open, so he took off and ran with it down the left sideline for a first down at the 33. It was Montana's legs that were making the big difference in this game. On the very next play, he fired for Carl Monroe, who hauled it in for a 33-yard touchdown, putting San Francisco on top 7-3. Sula put in a wrinkle to the Miami offense. He had Marino run no huddle. It worked like a charm. Nathan ran for five yards. Then Marino hit Clayton for a first down to the San Francisco 48. His next three passes all went for first downs. To Duper to the 37, to Clayton to the 30, 23, and to tight end Dan Johnson to the two. He then found Johnson again for a two-yard touchdown. Miami took a 10-7 lead at the end of one quarter. Montana threw to Craig for a first down to the 47 before the 49ers had the punt from midfield. Miami took over at their own 14. When they came out onto the field, they noticed San Francisco was trying something different. 49ers head coach Bill Walsh put out a dime defense with six defensive backs. This way, if Marino tried running no huddle again, Walsh wouldn't have to worry about substituting to cover the pass. And the plan worked brilliantly. 
Marino looked lost out there for much of the remainder of this game. The Dolphins promptly went three and out and punted it back to San Francisco. Punter Reggie Roby's kick wasn't a good one, making it only 37 yards to the Miami 47. Montana started the drive by scrambling for 17 yards, another case of his legs making the difference. He threw to Clark for 15 more, then Tyler ran for about 4 yards. Montana's next pass went right over the middle of the Craig, and he scored from 8 yards out, and San Francisco was back in the lead 14-10. Miami was dazed and confused by the 49ers' new defensive scheme. They went three and out again, and 49ers defensive back Dana La Ma oh man, Dana Macklemore. I I don't think I'm saying that right, but he returned the punt 28 yards to the 45. Tyler ran for about nine yards on first down, and then Craig got the first down. Montana then found tight end. Russ Francis a couple of times for a pair of first downs, and they got all the way down to the 10. After a four-yard run by Craig, Montana scrambled up the middle for a touchdown. It was the third time Montana had hurt the Dolphins with his legs, and now San Francisco led 21-10. The 49ers forced a third consecutive three-and-out from Marino and the Dolphins' offense. Roby didn't get off a good kick again, and McElmore returned it to the 48. Montana got sacked by defensive end Doug Betters, but he came right back by throwing underneath the Craig for 19 yards and a first down. Montana then pulled it down and took off again, picking up 8 yards. Tyler got the next first down from there to the 21. Montana found Francis just sort of another first down, and then Harmon picked that one up. Two plays later, Craig ran up the middle for a two-yard touchdown, and the 49ers were now up 28-10. to 10. This was the last gasp for Marino and Miami, and fortunately they caught some oxygen. Marino threw to Nathan to get to the 24, and he went back into the no huddle, where, which the Dolphins couldn't use since they kept on going three and out. He threw the Joe Rose, tight end Joe Rose, for a first down to the 32. Screened the map, Nat Moore got the Dolphins to the 40. Then Nathan hauled one in for a first down at the 42. Marino was under heavy pressure as he got away his next pass complete the Clayton for 15 yards. Marino then hit Rose for 30 more yards, but Ronnie Lott knocked down Marino's third down pass on the next uh, third down they faced, and the Dolphins had to settle for a field goal right before the half. Juan Salmon made the 31-yard kick, and Miami was seemingly headed to the half down by 15. But wait, on the squib kickoff, 49ers guard Guy McIntyre made the horrible decision to pick up the ball and try to run with it. He had the ball knocked out of his grasp by the Dolphins' Joe Carter, and backup quarterback Jim Jensen recovered for Miami. 
The Dolphins had just enough time for one more field goal, and Von Salmon made the 30-yarder to cut the 49ers lead to 28-16 at the break. Ford picked up a sack on Miami's first possession of the second half, forcing a punt by Roby. Macklemore returned this one to the San Francisco 47. Montana threw, then threw to Tyler on second down for 14 yards. Tyler bounced off the tackle on, on a run and he got a first down to the 27. On the next second down, Montana scrambled yet again for 12 more yards and another first down. He set the record for most rushing yards by a quarterback in a Super Bowl with that run. The 49ers couldn't get beyond the 10, but kicker Ray Worsing made a 27-yard field goal to put San Francisco back up by 15. Marino was sacked twice on the next drive, once by defensive end Manu Tuaisosopo, and another time by Board. The Dolphins punted yet again. Montana started a new drive by throwing to Tyler, who got into the clear and went 40 yards to the Miami 30. Montana followed by hitting a wide-open Francis for a first down to the 17. A few plays later, Montana hit Craig underneath, and he went for his third touchdown of the game, a Super Bowl record that still stands today. San Francisco now led 38-16, and with the lack of two-point conversions in this era, that meant that the 49ers were up by four possessions. Miami really had only one shot to get back in this game. They had a score on this next possession, and Marino got him downfield. He threw the rows to get within a yard of a first down, and then he found Clayton to get a first down at the 49ers' 43. Nathan broke through a big hole, and he got down to the 27 and another first down. But two plays later, Reno tried going to the end zone, and he was picked off at the one-yard line by Eric Wright. That killed Miami's spirit right there. Dolphins might, may still have had a chance had they made a stop of the 49ers inside the five, but they couldn't. Montana hit Freddie Solomon on a third down play action pass for a first down, and Tyler took a toss for another first down to the 40. Harmon ran the ball into Miami territory for another first down. The 49ers eventually had the punt, but they changed field position early in the fourth quarter. Reno found himself sacked by defensive tackle Gary Johnson on the next drive, and the Dolphins eventually had the punt. Macklemore muffed the punt, though, and Vince Hedflin recovered the loose ball for Miami. This gave Marino a shot at possibly making the score look a little better, but it didn't work. Marino threw into the end zone and was intercepted by Carlton Williamson, and that ended the competitive portion of this game. The 49ers drove the ball downfield again, and they came very close to making this final score 45-16. to They would have uh, set a new record for most points in a Super Bowl, which they tied for 
They tied Los Angeles from a year before with 38 points. Roger Craig got stopped on a fourth down at the Miami 2. So San Francisco had to settle for a 38-16 victory. It was their second Super Bowl win in four seasons. The Dolphins, meanwhile, had their second Super Bowl loss in three seasons. Joe Montana was named MVP of Super Bowl 19, and it's easy to see why. He threw for 331 yards and three touchdowns, while running for 59 yards and a touchdown. He probably had the best game in Super Bowl history by a quarterback up to this point. While perhaps John Riggins and Marcus Allen from the previous two Super Bowls had better games overall, Montana displayed something at the quarterback position no one had seen before. In future years, he gets surpassed, including by himself. But for now, he was Super Bowl MVP for a second time, joining Bart Starr of the Green Bay Packers and Terry Bradshaw of the Steelers in that regard. The next best player in this game was Roger Craig. He scored three touchdowns in this Super Bowl, which remains the record to this day. It's been tied several times, but never beaten. He ran for 58 yards in a score, while catching seven passes for 77 yards and two more scores. His performance was eye-opening. This was an in an era before Jerry Rice. Remember, the 49ers didn't draft him until after this Super Bowl. So players like Craig and Clark were the stars of the offense beside Montana. And boy, did Clark ever shine in this game. The best player on the losing team was Dan Marino. He threw for 318 yards and a touchdown. You, and you may say, well, but, but he threw two interceptions and he just made us one touchdown. Yes, that's true. But keep in mind that Marino had absolutely no running game to speak of to support him. The Dolphins ran for 25 yards on just nine carries, one of them a zero yards carry by Marino himself. Joe Montana had more than double Miami's rushing yards all by himself. I'm sorry, I don't care who you are. You're never going to win a game with that pathetic of a performance by your running backs and mostly your offensive line. Marino was getting killed back there thanks to his O-line just becoming turnstiles for the 49ers defense. The fact that Marino managed over 300 yards while breaking the Super Bowl records for completions and attempts is pretty amazing. It wasn't his fault his team lost this badly. The least valuable player of the game, who was it? How about Mark Duper, star receiver of this Dolphins team beside Mark Clayton? Duper managed just one catch for 11 yards. Receiver Jimmy Cephalo, who retired after this game, had only 18 receptions, 18 receptions all season long in 1984, yet even he managed to outdo Duper with 14 receiving yards on one catch. Duper completely failed to sew up in this Super Bowl, and he never get back to another one. The closest he get to to a Super Bowl was reaching the AFC Championship game 
in his final season of 1992. Same went for Marino. Even though Marino hung around to the end of the 20th century, he only got that one AFC championship game the rest of the way. What an opportunity wasted. The best player no one remembers. Tough one, because everyone remembers all the 49ers. I'll have to go with Carl Monroe, who caught the 33-yard touchdown pass early in this game. And speaking of which, that was the biggest play of this game. Because Montana and the 49ers sliced and diced the Dolphins with one short pass after another. And there weren't really that many big plays. So I have to go with the 33-yard touchdown pass from Montana to Monroe. That set the 49ers on the right track. And even though they ended up surrendering the lead after that, they came back to take the lead for good, and that was the most spectacular of all of San Francisco's touchdowns. The biggest play, though, that no one remembers is McLemore's 28-yard punt return midway through the second quarter. He got the 49ers into great field position, and shortly afterward, Montana would scramble in for a six-yard touchdown. That punt return was a scintillating one, on which it looked like he might break it all the way. While he muffed the return later in the game, that doesn't take away from what an important return this was for the Niners, helping putting them up 21-10, and they ended up winning by 22. San Francisco had their second of four Super Bowls from the 80s and their five overall. The 49ers were already a dynasty, but the next three years would bring on new challenges. The New York Giants would get the Niners number and knock them out the next two seasons. The Niners would then lose an excruciating game in the 1987 playoffs to Minnesota, which I still consider to be the biggest upset in NFL playoff history. That's not counting Super Bowl three because Super Bowl three was AFL versus NFL. Uh, but four years later, 49ers would be back on the top of the NFL world and may stay there quite a while. The 49ers won this game at Stanford Stadium, just a short drive away from San Francisco. That brings us to today's pop quiz question. How many teams have played in Super Bowls in their own state? The answer is three. San Francisco in 19 is one. Los Angeles in Pasadena in 14 at the Rose Bowl is another. And everyone knows by now Tampa Bay in Super Bowl 55 playing in their home stadium. So three of them. Will the Rams, Chargers, or 49ers make it for this coming NFL season? We will find out. Now, if you're going to read one book on this particular Super Bowl, that's an easy one. My homework for you today is to read A Nearly Perfect Season by Chris Willis. It is an absolutely fantastic book from start to finish on the 49ers 1984 season. It's got behind-the-scenes look at Bill Walsh and the coach's room. You're going to want to read this one and keep reading throughout the whole book. I highly recommend it. And that's all for today. If you want more info about the 80s in the NFL, pick up my book, Great 80s, at 
TommyAPhillips.com where you'll find the Amazon link to it right there. And if you like college football, I've also got my book, Penn State Bowl Games, A Complete History. I'd like to thank everyone for sticking with this podcast, even when I took a big break. And I look forward to doing more and more podcasts, but maybe not as often as I have been doing them. Uh, but whenever I do get around to the next one, next time, we're, we've got the most famous team in Super Bowl history, the 1985 Chicago Bears, going up against a wild-card Cinderella underdog in the New England Patriots. What could happen? Until then, this is Tommy A. Phillips. So long. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Each week, the official Football Learning Academy podcast will take you deep into the history of pro football through interviews with players, coaches, or administrators in the NFL, as well as interviews with Pro Football Hall of Fame selectors, authors, and historians. You'll learn how the game evolved and important moments that shaped the sport into what it is today. And don't miss the Pro Football History Nugget of the Week. Listen to the official Football Learning Academy podcast on the Sports History Network. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.